Good afternoon and welcome to the 330 Sports Show. My name is Justin Coffin. Today is Tuesday, April 4th, 2023. This is going to be our only show this week uh, with uh, Easter coming up. Uh, the Masters is going to start on Thursday. So uh, this is going to be our only show. So we're going to kind of wrap up the previous weekend in sports and look ahead to what's coming this week in sports. So should be fun. Um, we are live, as always, from downtown Youngstown at Youngstown Studios. Joe Danier is with me, uh, sort of. Sort of. <laughs> he is in uh, how many hours? 50. 50 hours into a, uh, a fast. Uh, I don't remember the last time I went 50 hours without eating substantial food. So I, I would imagine you're running low on, on energy, energy yeah. Yeah. and mental clarity. Mm, that's yeah. yeah. How long uh, is this fast going to It was supposed to be a 48-hour, but I'm going to try to push it to 72. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So, I mean, you're almost there. Almost. You're two-thirds of the way there. Right. So, okay. All right. Well, good luck. Because <laughs> in this segment, not in this segment, but in a little bit, with the Masters, we got a big food segment coming up. So, that should... uh you know, hopefully yeah, make honestly, it easy. Honestly, by this point, I'm not even hungry. Like, really? If you put spaghetti in front of me, I'd probably be like, ah, eh, yeah, I forget okay. what that's even like. So um, during a fast, yes. you're you're allowed to drink water? water? Black coffee and tea. Okay. Okay. And is this for, um, I've done some like juice cleanses and stuff like that, but like what's the... What's the overall goal of the the fast? So I do immune system. I hate being sick. Okay. Right. And so I yeah. I get through all these processes. Like when everybody gets sick around me, uh -huh. um, I go into all kind of supplements and I take all kinds of food to keep me healthy. And then as soon as everybody gets well again, I do a fast to build my immune system back up afterwards. So that's, okay, that's where I'm at right now. Okay. All right. Well. Well. Good luck with that. We hope you make it through and. Uh... We'll see you tomorrow at this time. You'll be eating like a big burger or something, no, or do you go back to the healthy, I, I like salad? Well, or... it, it takes a good day and a half because when you start eating food, you feel like you're going to throw up, and it's that's really true. Your digestion system. Okay. Not be gross or anything. Yeah, yeah. That. No, I hear you. I hear you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Duly noted. So, uh, so that's good. All right. Well, we'll get into a little bit of sports, uh, especially last night. Uh, we had the men's championship. Uh, game. So the final four uh, this past weekend, UConn knocked off Miami on Saturday night and uh, San Diego State at the buzzer. First time ever in the final four uh, won on a game winner when a team was behind. So they were able to knock out number nine seed Florida Atlantic uh, and get to the championship game. And UConn really last night, you could just see they were the class of that game. They just dominated really from start to finish. Uh, San Diego State, a great defensive team, but just didn't have kind of the the firepower to hang with UConn, who really uh, was the class of this tournament. So um, UConn, I think now has earned a blue blood check mark, and I'm going to explain what a blue blood here is here in a minute. But let's go over their resume in the last 24 years. So this is their fifth title since 1999, which is the most in college basketball. Um, I, I don't even think it's close. They were 17-0 and 0, uh, versus non-Big East teams this season. So pretty impressive when they're playing out of conference. They won by an average of 20, point, uh, 20 points per game this NCAA tournament, which is fourth best all time. Uh, and they have had three straight head coaches 
that have won a national title. So Jim Calhoun, who took over, I believe, in like 1987 in UConn uh, for UConn. UConn was kind of a laughingstock, a joke when he took over. Um, they, you know, they won the NIT. They finally won the Big East. And then uh, 13 years into his tenure, they won the first NCAA championship in 1999 to beat Duke. Ohio State was actually in that final four, if I remember right. UConn knocked off Ohio State and knocked off Duke in that final four. Jim Calhoun was the head coach of that team. Then five years later, 2004, they beat Georgia Tech in the final uh, final four in championship game. Uh, Jim Calhoun also the head coach of that team. And then uh, in 2011, they beat Butler. Uh, and that was also Jim Calhoun. Three years later, Kevin Ollie takes over after Jim Calhoun retires. Uh, he didn't have a long run at UConn, but he did win a national title. And, uh, and then about nine years later, uh, Hurley takes over and, you know, kind of works his way up the rank and, you know, has a really nice career, uh, and, and is just, you know, one of the best coaches in all of college basketball. So, um, the last three head coaches for UConn have won national titles. Not many programs can say that. So, uh, pretty impressive run by UConn. Not many people would have thought this, uh, four seed would have won. I, I saw a lot of people had them losing to Iona in the first round, uh, but, but a great run. And again, winning by an average of 20 points per game. Uh, this tournament. So, um, Joe, if I had to ask you what the definition of blue blood meant, what do you think it means? I'm going to say like a traditionalist, someone mm -hmm. who's like ingrained with the history. Of yeah. yeah and, and that's like, you're kind of right on point. So it actually comes from like a, um, I believe it's like a European type thing where it's like of noble birth. So they used to call those people blue bloods with, um, you know, like traditional families and stuff like that with within probably the monarchy or whatever it, it might be. So um, by my count before last night, there were five blue bloods, UCLA, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke and Kansas. So I believe with with UConn winning last night, they could be in that upper echelon of six, uh, the six best teams in all of college basketball, the six elite programs. Now, if we're talking college football, we're talking Ohio State, we're talking Alabama, we're talking Georgia, probably talking Clemson and maybe Notre Dame. Those are probably your like your five uh, in in the blue bloods there. You know, I'm probably missing a one or two, but but those are your traditional powerhouses there. Now, if you had to pick three others, uh, I would say right now, even though maybe necessarily a lot of these teams haven't done well. Villanova's done really well lately, um, but Indiana and Michigan State haven't done a whole lot lately, but um, their history, uh, you know, would would put them in there. And if it's, it's kind of interesting if you notice blue bloods and all the teams have some sort of blue in their logo, which is, you know, just kind of neat, I think, there. But uh, your Gonzaga Bulldogs, Joe, I think once they win a national title, they can be in that next uh, they could move right in there in the top 10 of college programs. So we'll see. But uh, I think they're right in that Indiana, Villanova, Michigan State, Gonzaga. I think they're right there. And they, they've kind of been a blue blood regular season program, just haven't got over that hurdle in the NCAA tournament. But, uh, you well, know, the, the wound is still very, <laughs> it's, it, 
it cost you a bottle of Blanton's too, too. You know, <laughs> I, I was ready to purchase it, but uh, UConn just whooped them uh, in the Elite Eight. So, um, but uh, yeah, want to uh, you know again give UConn a lot of credit. They they've done a great job. Stores Connecticut is not a uh, necessarily a household name. It's not a you know it's not. If you're going to Texas, that's in Austin. You know, if you're going to Ohio State, that's in Columbus. Um, if you're even thinking like UCLA, USC, those are in LA. Uh, St. John's in New York City. Um, even Miami of Florida, that's a big metropolitan city. Uh, whereas Stores, Connecticut, I believe the nearest uh, biggest city might be like Hartford, which is not a huge, huge city. But so what they're, they've done to draw recruits there, get some uh, big name talent to come through their doors and produce both the men's and women's programs. Uh, they deserve uh, a lot of credit for that. So uh, Adama Sonogo, Jordan Hawkins, uh, Tristan Newton, Alex Caravan, Donovan Klingon, Andre Jackson Jr., Joey uh, Calatierra, and uh, I believe it's Naheim Aliane. Um, did a phenomenal job in this tournament. The, the, the better players in this tournament for them. Iona, St. Mary's, Arkansas, Gonzaga, Miami, and San Diego State were the teams they knocked off on the way. So uh, credit to them. Joe, speaking of fasting, um, UConn's best player during this tournament, his name is Adama Sinogo, which is <laughs> obviously sounds very foreign, um, but he is a practicing Muslim. So this is interesting. Leads the team to a championship and is named the most outstanding player in all of the tournament while in the midst of fasting during Ramadan. So mm. from like when the sun is out, I don't believe he's allowed to eat or drink anything. And so like even during games, he was not drinking any water, mm. Gatorade, nothing. So pretty impressive there, yeah. you know? So like, like very dedicated. So I don't know if you can imagine playing a basketball game, not only just playing in it, being your team's best player and uh, not being able to like eat or drink, like just think of the energy level, like you're lacking, but he, he found the will to, uh, to get through it and very, very impressive yeah. stuff. So, um, all right, let's check in real quick with the women's final four. Now you could argue the women's final four this year. I believe they had 10 million viewers. Uh, for the final four, which, uh, which like blew away, like any NBA game this year, which blew away, like most major league baseball games and stuff like that. So, um, the LSU women end up getting the title this year. So they, they win, they knock off Iowa, um, LSU knocked off Virginia tech to get there. Iowa knocked off the undefeated South Carolina Gamecocks, uh, to get to the championship game and LSU ends up winning now. Here's where the controversy comes in because Caitlin Clark was this year's most outstanding player in women's college hoops in the tournament this year. She also had the most points in an NCAA tournament. <clears throat> Excuse me. Lose my voice with 193. The most assists in a women's tournament was 60. Most threes in a game with eight and ended South Carolina's 42 game winning streak. Now, she um, has this quiet confidence about her, but she would occasionally do some of these wrestling things where she would do like one of these where like kind of like not showing up an opponent, but I think like being a little bit cocky and some people 
didn't necessarily rub people the right wrong way um like throughout the tournament however uh lsu's best player uh gabby reese uh or angel reese excuse me um did the same thing and pointed to her finger her ring finger saying like hey you know we're you're you're ringing me you know the word so this was a very contentious issue on facebook and here's my opinion of this this is just my opinion some people are going to get pissed off at me for saying this but um i don't think there was any problem with either player doing that as long as you're not like going right up and taunting the player directly now if you're gonna if you're gonna talk that's one thing if that's in your mantra if that's in your personality i think if that's what gets your blood flowing that's fine um there was some really bad officiating in this game and neither of well caitlin clark ended up getting a, a technical for like rolling a ball away which was ridiculous ellis lsu's coach was like coaching on the court uh and ran into an official she didn't even get teed up for that which was ridiculous but my question to you joe is um the lsu player who's doing the you know the hey you know i you can't see me and pointing at the ring um to arguably the tournament's best player what what's your thoughts on that well the people who are pissed off have obviously never sat close enough to the players basketball is a lot of psychology yeah, right if you can right. get in the head of somebody mm -hmm. you i mean you can dominate yeah. them without even doing anything on the court i mean you so let me ask the question to you yeah basketball coach if you saw any of your players talking smack mm -hmm. would you reprimand or would you give you know what and and i've actually had to deal with this in the past before too um i think there's a time and place for all of that i think at the high school level is very different from the college level and this is also a national championship game um so there there's something to be said about winning with class and doing it the right way now i don't think her doing that was like extremely disrespectful um but because caitlin clark also did it now here's where it becomes contentious they were praising caitlin clark who happens to be a white female athlete who has kind of changed the women's game she she plays like steph curry she shoots you know 25 30 foot threes she's scoring 40 points a game she's dropping a ton of assists versus then the LSU player um, who does the same thing, but she is black. And then it's like, well, that's not very classy. So to me, I don't think this is a race thing. I think it was just happenstance of more people watch this game. And, but I could see how people could draw that opinion. So um, without having seen all of the games i don't know both of their personalities super well but to me i don't think it's a race issue i think it's more of a competitive um happenstance you know during the game so yeah. but you know we're so polarized that everything mm -hmm. comes down to that race. it is or and and literally like when you say it's black or white um a lot of times people will it's like democrat republican it's like voting party lines and unfortunately uh that's how things should not be but sometimes that's unfortunately how it well reasonable how it is. people like us we just reject it. exactly so exactly so you know I'm, I'm all for a little bit of competitive fun trash talk uh you don't want it to go to the level where there's fighting or anything like that 
But uh, I think if there's a little bit of smack talk within the game, um, I think it it makes for fun as long as you're respectful when the game's over and you're playing your hardest and there's no cheap shots and stuff like yeah. that. So hey, do you want something to drink, by the way, water or bourbon or anything? I'll, I'll, you Which know, one? I always bourbon? will do bourbon. Okay. I right. will never turn down bourbon. <laughs> so uh, speaking of fasting. So, um, but, but that's, that's where I'll kind of close the book on that. But uh, let me know your opinion if you want to weigh in on that. But uh, I think Reese or uh, Clark both weren't necessarily in the wrong. I, I, I think it's just a, a way, you know, to draw up some headlines and stuff like that. So we'll close the book on that. So, but, but an overall great weekend of basketball, both in women's hoops and in men's hoops and uh, hats off to the women's teams too, because they were very entertaining uh, versions of basketball, which I think if you said five years ago, 10 years ago, if more people might be drawn to the women's final four than the men's, <laughs> there'd be a lot of people laughing. But uh, as as a former female coach, I think that is really cool to see uh, the uplifting in uh, the women's game of basketball. So congratulations to LSU. Uh, if Gonzaga made it, it would have said all-time high viewership. Mm-hmm. Sure. They, they draw a lot of... Well, actually, they're from a big market. They're from the Seattle area. So you never know. You never know. They lost out. <laughs> they did. They did. Um, all right. So it is Masters Week. And that means, you know, a lot of guys uh, are going to be playing some practice rounds this week. They're going to... There's the part three competition tomorrow, which if you have not seen the part three competition it's one of the most fun things i think in all of sports um a lot of times the little kids are the caddies like their kids their their son or daughter and they're wearing these baggy uh uniforms uh that the caddies would wear um it's the most beautiful course out there and it's just a fun week for me i always say it's kind of like a rite of passage to spring uh we know when the masters gets here the final happens to be on Easter Sunday. Uh, so it's just like a nice transition from like, hopefully we're done with any, you know, cold weather winter. And like, this officially is we're into spring now. So um, with that said, tonight is what's called the uh, champions dinner. So since Joe's fasting, we're going to make him answer all of these questions. Okay, um, so the Masters Club dinner, I'm going to walk you through each item and then give me your item uh, that you would have as that, you know, on that course. So let's start with an app. You get you get to pick two appetizers. So last year's winner, Scotty Shuffler, picked cheeseburger sliders um, and firecracker shrimp with sweet Thai chili and sriracha mayo. So those were his two appetizers. What would you pick as two appetizers for you? Well, I'd go with the shrimp. That sounds amazing. And I'd also go with Brussels sprouts with sriracha. Oh, okay. Nice. So you're getting a little spice in there. Okay. All right. Then kind of the next course, which is your salad or your soup. Are you not going to say yours? uh, I need to know yours. Well, you know what? I wasn't prepared to answer these. And since you're going through the fast, this is more fun for me to ask <laughs> rather than answer. So I'll answer next year during okay. this segment. Um, but the, the next is the salad or the soup. So he went with the soup and he went with a tortilla soup with avocado, crispy blue 
tortilla strips, uh, sour cream, cilantro, and lime. So your next super salad, what would that be? All right, I'm going with soup and something seafoody like a chowder. Okay. Go with the clam chowder. Okay, and and you got to remember too, the Masters is down south. And oh, so it's good. oh, yeah, yeah. And Scotty Scheffler, too, went to the University of Texas. So he's kind of like a Southern boy. So there's going to be a lot of probably like some Southern charm in this food yeah. here, too. I'm going to change a couple of my answers. I know it now. OK. All right. So the next one, uh, you get to pick your main course. So your his main course, he's going Texas ribeye steak or I think you get like the seafood option. So you can I'll, I'll let you pick. You can either go meat or fish year so he went texas ribeye steak or blackened redfish so family style mac and cheese also with that jalapeno cream corn fried brussels sprouts seasoned french fries so those were his options uh for his dinner what would your main options be and you can go both uh meat and fish if you I'm want both okay so all right i'm going with jambalaya and nice. for the seafood option, of course, you got to go with the uh, shrimp or crawdad mm -hmm. or whatever. And then I'm going to go extra sausage on the meat version of the jambalaya. Okay. All right. I love it. I love it. And with the jambalaya, you're getting both that. That's exactly you're getting the sausage and you're getting the shrimp and fish in there. I love yeah. it. Love it. All right. And then your dessert. He's going with a warm chocolate chip skillet cookie served with milk and cookies ice cream. Wasn't expecting that no, one. That's no, nice little twist there. Uh, creme brulee. I Ooh, like the creme brulee. Does creme brulee have coffee in it? It may. Okay. Yeah. Or what? What am I thinking of? Tiramisu. Tiramisu is yeah. what I'm thinking of. What is creme brulee? I'm so not creme a familiar. Creme brulee is like a pudding, and then it has like a, a like a sugar coating on it that they fire over with a with a flame. So okay. That, okay. I think at some point. We should do the, we'll have to do the Youngstown version of this menu. So I think that would be kind of neat. So, um, all right. So that's the the champions dinner, which, um, you know, before there's been um, champions from Japan and they have a very like Japanese regimented meal. There's been like straight up American, uh, you know, as American as it gets. And they've done like cheeseburgers and French fries, you know? So it's like, and the only people invited to that are previous champions that are obviously alive of the masters, which is, is pretty cool. You know, so it's at a very exclusive club. Do, do they meet on the ninth green, by the way? <laughs> the ninth green at nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you don't have that green jacket, they're going to invite you, for you know, sure. For, for sure. Ninth green at nine. Don't forget, be there or be square. Uh, <laughs> this, um, I found this picture on social media. Now, um, I have never been to Augusta National. Um, however, I do know several people that have now you can go there with 10 or 20 bucks. Now it's not cheap to get in there or you have to know someone or, you know, all the different things. However, once you get to your tickets, it's not cheap. You could eat and drink all day for like 20 bucks. So, um, let me walk you through this menu a little bit. Egg salad, pimento cheese, pork barbecue, master's club, chicken salad on honey wheat, ham and cheese on rye, classic chicken. Then they got breakfast foods. You got your coffee, you got your chicken biscuit, breakfast sandwich, blueberry muffin, fresh mixed fruit. And then you got your, you know, your drinks, your wines, your beer, uh, your soft drinks. And then you got snacks, barbecue and plain chips, peanuts, Southern cheese straws, cookies, uh, Georgia pecan pie with caramel popcorn. And I mean, it's especially, by the way, Joe is going on during his fast. So we are 
trying to torture him yes, as much as possible. But that is uh, kind of like what their snack line is. But if you look at those prices, those prices look like they're from like 1990, don't they? Yeah. Like very, very early on. So you can literally go 20 bucks. Uh, let's see. What's a, a beer? A beer, a domestic beer, five bucks. So you have like three, four. Let's say you have three beers and you can get like a sandwich and a snack for less than 20 bucks. So pretty awesome there. And you, if you really like pimento cheese or egg salad, uh, you, I mean, you could have, you know, 10 pimento <laughs> cheese sandwiches for $11. Nobody wants cents. that. Nobody. <laughs> that might be a little too much there, but uh, you could really uh, do a lot of damage, good or bad, depending on uh, how much you want to, where you want to go with that. So um, that's a look at the Masters. Should be a blast. Um, we have a couple uh, golf related uh guests coming on in the near future and one of those golfers um actually got to play at the masters this weekend phenomenal she is local she was the youngest player in that tournament gianna clemente uh i spoke with her dad over the weekend she was in contention in this she was the youngest player in the field she's 15 years old so she is a, a true uh, women's amateur in high school. Uh, she's from Howland um, and I'll get, I'll get all the details wow, on what she's doing cool. now, but I, they, I mean, it was really cool to see like Mike Tarico, uh, who's one of the best commentators in sports talking about Gianna Clemente this weekend at the masters, a local girl uh, and she's doing amazing things. So uh, we will let you know when that show is coming on, but uh, obviously she was a little bit busy uh, these past uh, couple weeks preparing for that tournament with good reason. And so cool. she's killing it. Um, we also have a couple other golfers uh, that will be, um, preparing us for uh, the upcoming golf season, which I'm sure a lot of people are out on the courses today because it's a beautiful, beautiful day. So April 4th, 1994. Let's go back in this day in history. Jacobs Field opens. So the first game in Cleveland Indians history, now obviously the Cleveland Guardians, uh, took place uh, at the corner of Carnegie in Ontario in Cleveland at then Jacobs Field, um, Dennis Martinez was the pitcher that threw out the first pitch, and the Indians won that game. Randy Johnson was the pitcher for the Mariners, and ironically, this week, uh, the Seattle Mariners, 29 years later, will be opening uh, against the Indians at home in Cleveland. So, pretty cool. I would have never, if you'd have said, when did Jacobs Field open? I would have, mm -hmm. wouldn't have said 94. It 1994. Said yeah. It, it feels like it was forever. It does, but like the really good thing they have done with baseball, with the baseball stadium there, they've put a lot of money into it, but they've done it the right way. That stadium is, I would say, better now than it was when it opened first opened up just like the conveniences and um, all the amenities around the stadium, you know, obviously I'm sure there's some areas that need touched up with paint and this and that, but it's still a beautiful stadium. I would say still one of the top five to 10 stadiums in all of baseball. So now, just if, really if the, cool. If the Browns decide to go with a dome and they combined the Indians or the guardians, mm -hmm. in that, would you want the baseball to be played in a dome? No, not no. baseball. Not baseball, football. I'm all for it. Um, I know football. Uh, a lot of traditionalists are say football should be played outdoors, and it actually looks like they will not be 
building a dome as of now, but you know, things can obviously change, but um, I really hope if they do build a new stadium in Cleveland, it has a dome on it, at least for football, baseball, whatever. But you know, I, I like the open air aspect of baseball and um, where the uh, where progressive field now is located. It's not right on the lake either. So you're not getting those like biting, wind chills that are like right off the lake and just extra cold. And obviously baseball is mostly played in the spring, summer and fall, whereas football's played in like, you know, late summer, fall, and then obviously the winter, which in Cleveland can go on for a long, long time. But um, I'm with you though, that I think that that stadium, that field is the nicest that I've ever been in. Yeah. Really. We, we are very lucky with where we're at. You go 60 miles to Pittsburgh or 60 miles to Cleveland, you have two beautiful stadiums. Pittsburgh, a lot of people would say is maybe the nicest in all of baseball. Um, and you know, just both, uh, both stadiums, the, the backdrop is beautiful. You, you can kind of look at the downtown, but yeah, PNC park in Pittsburgh and, and progressive sure. either way, you can't go wrong Absolutely. with either of those stadiums. Um, so speaking of the guardians, they are four and one through the first five games. They actually lost opening night. Uh, remember, I said we predicted the score four three. Zero. I did. I, well, <laughs> I did. I did get one part of the score right. The three part. I, yeah. The four is what we were hoping. Yeah, for, the four though. is not what we got. But <laughs> but since then they did get four four victories. Last night with a big 12-11 victory at Oakland. Um, Oakland, by the way, I will say I'm going to put this on record. The next professional sports team to move will be the Oakland Athletics in any sport, baseball, football, basketball, hockey. Oakland A's need to be uh, retracted, moved, whatever. They get no crowds in that stadium. It's the, we were talking about the best stadiums in baseball. That is the worst. So um, just my opinion, but I think the Oakland A's, are probably on the chopping block to be moved to a Vegas, a Nashville, a Portland, a Seattle, one of those cities, or not Seattle, but a Portland, um, to one of those cities that really wants a baseball team in their town and will support it because Oakland ain't doing the job. And San Francisco is like, you know, 10 miles away from Oakland, right across the, the bridge there. And, uh, you know, San Francisco puts has these great, amazing crowds, but Oakland just can't compete yep. with that. Um, by all accounts, the pitch clock in Major League Baseball has been working amazing. Uh, it's trimmed, on average, about 25 minutes per game. And like you said last week, you said, you know, now you might be interested in going to a game. Now you're not going to be sitting there for three and a half, four hours. Now you might be there at most three hours. Um, the, the guardians played a game this weekend that was two hours and four minutes. So, nice. you know, pretty awesome. Um, so it's very comparable to like a basketball game now where there's constant movement, constant action going on. Um, I'd like, I like it right there in that like two to two and a half, well, two and a half hour range, I think is perfect. Um, because baseball, you can still do other things. You don't have to always be locked in on every pitch unless it's like a playoff game or something. So, I think this has been going pretty well and you can appeal this to y the younger, uh, you know, the like kids, a younger generation that are so used to be locked in on their phones. that are so easily distracted. Now, 
you know, there's constant action. Like there's, there's the pitches are happening. There's more running. Uh, there's more balls in play, stuff like that. So I think this is going to be good for uh, baseball as a whole. So, and you're right. Our attention span is shrunk. I, I was, <laughs> yeah, mine I was included. At, I was at sheets the other day waiting on my food and I was watching the lottery machine and I, I counted how many people bought scratch offs and actually scratched them off versus scratching the bottom off and just have the machine the tell code. Them if they, if they want, what do you think percentage wise? How many people bought tickets? Roughly. Well, we'll, we'll go about 10. Okay. We'll say 10 Let's, I'm going to say 80%. 50% of okay. the people yeah. just didn't even bother scratching it. They just yeah. to see if they won. Yeah. That's half the fun. I mean, yeah, seriously. It's like a little game. It's yes. like you're taking the fun out of it. So you're just basically. What if you put 10 in there, hit a button, it said you lose. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me just tell you this, people. If you want to give me $100, I will give you $50 back. Boom. And you don't have to play the lottery. That's right. And you're probably coming out on, on top. Or like they said in Vegas Vacation, why don't you give me half the money you were going to bet I'll take you out back, kick you in the nuts. We'll call it a day. <laughs> you're, you're coming out on top. Yep. So, <laughs> oh man, love it. So the Cavs, uh, let's switch to them real quick. Uh, Tuesday and Thursday this week. So tonight and Thursday at the Orlando Magic and then Easter Sunday at home to close out the season versus the Charlotte Hornets. That is it for the regular season. All 82 games will then be complete. So looking at the record month by month, they have been no worse than 500 in every month. Uh, nine and five last month in March, one and zero oh so far this month in April with uh, three games left to play. Um, this season, 49 and 30, 31 and nine at home, 18 and 21 on the road uh, with two road games to go. So hopefully they can get it to 20 and 21 versus the East, 32 and 17 versus the West, 17 and 30 and seven and zero oh in overtime games. It's not 100% locked in yet, but it's about, I would say, about 90% sure the Cavs and the Knicks will match up in the 4-5 matchup in the Eastern Conference playoffs, which means the Cavs will have home court advantage and should be able to uh, be the favorite in that series. By no means is it a gimme, but the Cavs should hopefully uh, be able to win that series. I would say that would be a slight favorite against the Knicks in that series. Now, here's a couple did-you-knows. This is a pretty cool stat. The Cavs lead the league in dunks as a team and have the top two dunkers in the league with Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, and then Rudy Gobert and Giannis Antetokounmpo is right up there uh, in the top four. Thank you. You know, I'm like getting a little bit better. Getting a little bit better at my vernacular and whatnot. So uh, I'm working on this speech. Um, so here's another couple did-you-knows. The Cavs' main rotational player. So, you know, that includes... Your, your starters, your Evan Mobley's, your Donovan Mitchell's, uh, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, uh, Isaac Okoro, um, you know, players like that. Their main rotational players have played in 82 games uh, total and have zero NBA titles combined. The non-rotational players, that's players like Jetty Osman and um, oh, his name's escaping me, the shooter they just brought in, um, uh, Danny Green. Uh, have played in a combined 235 playoff games and have four NBA titles. And the longest tenured Cavs player, believe it or not, is Jetty Osman, which is crazy. Uh, he was a rookie the uh, final year of LeBron James. So um, some interesting stuff there. And then uh, one more interesting note 
about the NBA season. Scoring has been super high this year, super high. There are maybe more talented NBA players uh, right now in the NBA than there ever has been before. There are 45 players in the NBA this season averaging 20 points per game or more in 2020. Um, in 2013, there were only 11 players. Of those 45 players, uh, seven of them averaged 30 points or more per game. So let's let's hit the uh, you know let's hit the Marty McFly button and go back to the future a little bit here. So. 10 years ago, or oh, I guess nine seasons ago, 11 players averaged 20 or more points a game. Carmelo Anthony, Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant, LeBron, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, uh, Dwayne Wade, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Tony Parker. Those were the players that averaged 20 points per game or more. This year, there are seven that average 30 or more, which is insane. Joel Embiid, Luka, Damian Lillard, Shai Gilgis Alexander. We're just going to call him <laughs> SGA for short. Shai Gilgis Alexander. Say that three times fast. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jason Tatum, and LeBron James. There are a ton more guys that average over 25 points a game. Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie Irving, John Morant, Jalen Brown, Trey Young, Lori Markkinen, Julius Randle, DeAndre Fox, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Nikola Jokic. Those are the players that average 25 or more. I'm not going to read all these names, but these are the guys that average between 20 and 24.7 points a game. So that is a huge list. Look how, I mean, that is the third page of that list, which is insane. Uh, so 45 players this year average more than 20 points a game, which is just, just crazy. So that's our uh, little look at the NBA. How, um, how can Gonzaga only score 52 points? <laughs> well, against uh, against UConn. 52? Yeah. yeah. Well, they have uh, Drew Timmy, who I know it was only his fourth year of college, but seemed like he's been there for like 22 years. He looks like he's a 45-year-old man. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, maybe Gonzaga's back next year. We'll see. They're, they're good year in, year out. So. Maybe next year we'll put another <laughs> bottle of Blanton's on the line. We'll see. Um, all right. So, um, Joe, I know you're not a huge TV watcher, yeah. um, but, you know, like, as the weather has, like, been kind of weird and, you know, I'm, I'm like, obviously, I think a lot of people know I, I had uh, a son about 11 weeks ago now. And so, you know, my, my going out times are not as... Uh, as frequent as, as they used to be. So usually I'm at home. I like try to get a workout in, do this or that. And then, um, at the end of the night, I will, you know, sit down and watch something or a couple things. And if it's not sports related, um, I made up a list of just things I'm either looking forward to or watching currently or have watched recently. Um, but before I go over my list, is there anything you're watching right now or have watched recently that is worth, you know, sharing. So I, I started watching last of us mm. that, that ended up being really good. Excellent show. And then that 1928. Okay. I watching that. Too. Okay. But that's about it right now. It, um, is that the one, the Yellowstone spinoff? Yep. Okay. And that's with like Harrison Ford and stuff. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. That looked pretty good. I have not seen that one. The last of us. I am not someone that like is a zombie person or anything like that, but that show is good. Heck yeah. Well-made. And it's based off a video game, which is like interesting because it kind of 
parallels the story and they interweave some um, different plot points. But that show is well done, great acting. And um, the way they started that show, remember like that talk show at the beginning where they're like, if the if the Earth's climate like raises a couple degrees, like these cordyceps, is that what they're yep. called? Well, it could like infect, you know, and basically these people that study like fungus and, and all this stuff, like said, if it ever gets into the human system and can like spread and become like a COVID type situation, um, there's no hope. So it, it, it kind of gives like a scary parallel to COVID right. that just happened. So I, if you have not seen it, the last of us on HBO, great, great show. Um, so I, I definitely co-sign that that comment. So here's a few things I put on my list. And for all of you listening, uh, Justin is a great show picker. Everything he's ever <laughs> recommended, I thought, dang, this I, is good. I really, I try to have like a good mix of stuff. Like, you know, like outside of sports and stuff, like I do really like movies and and good TV shows. So um, what the best show that people recommend to me all the time that I still have not seen is Succession. I have not seen an episode of that. The season four, which is the final season, just came out. So I'm hoping to catch up to that uh, in the next few months and, uh, you know, kind of be on the same page with the people that are, you know, talking about it and whatnot. So you know what frustrates um, me about shows right now is there so many production houses that are putting out so much, stuff. so much content. Some of it's just so garbagey. Mm -hmm. It feels like a student, you know, mm -hmm. theater person put it together. Oh yeah. And I'll get frustrated. I'll try to watch something I've never heard of before and think this is rubbish. Like, oh yeah. Well, and then sometimes you get good shows that are lost in the mix that people don't ever exactly. know about. Like I didn't even know about severance until like around Christmas. And that came out last April. And that was one of the best shows of the year. Yep, so um, just such good stuff. Um, there's a show right now called CB Strike. Very good. It's like kind of a detective uh, mystery man, woman. And it just like works in their their life stories, but also with some mysteries. Very good stuff. Um, Ted Lasso, which a lot of people love. English soccer, uh, Premier League stuff. Um Jason Sudeikis is the main character. Good stuff there. Barry, if you have not seen Barry, not. it is kind of a comedy at first, turns into a drama, and it almost turns into like a violent dramedy, I guess you would call it, but a really, really good show. Uh, the, the main actor um, from SNL, uh, and so you always think of him, and I forget his name right now, um, but he, you, you think of him in a comedy mode, but he plays a serious, badass character. And the Fonz, the Fonz is one of the main characters on the nice. show, uh, Henry Winkler. So that's a good one. Yellow Jackets is another one I highly recommend. This one takes place, actually, it starts out in 1996. And a high school girls soccer team, like, goes to nationals and their plane crashes in the wilderness, like, couple hundred miles north of Seattle and they basically have to survive and uh, without giving too much away it takes you back to what happened then which is a big mystery and it takes you to the current day and who's alive who's not I feel and like that movie's already been made did they eat each other's butts by chance <laughs> did they there is some cannibalism in it 
I will say that okay. there is some cannibalism in it without giving too much away. Um, but a very great cast in that okay. with a lot of good, like nineties, Christina Ricci and like um, the girl that played Audrey Griswold in Christmas vacation. Um, so a lot of really good actors and actresses in that show too. Um, and then I'm going to just give one more um, the documentary and I forget, oh, the Murdoch family. If you know anything about this Murdoch guy, uh, this attorney from South Carolina, he is effing nuts. And that is no joke. Um, a lot of people ended up like, a lot of stuff get, got, getting covered up. Uh, some murders, including his own wife and his own son, uh, housekeeper, uh, random a uh, couple people within the town and it is wild wild um so definitely recommend that uh netflix um that you know documentary on that so do you know anything about that murdoch you know stuff? deb was watching it so yeah I was halfway watching it with her and that the, it's about that dude who owned the town pretty much pretty much so owned the town a, yeah power to turn mm -hmm. yeah that was evil and i think in some levels some small town people probably know somewhat i mean they may not be a murderer but they they know people like this who oh, yeah. who uh skirt the law a lot but this guy skirted it and stole money and literally got away with murder until he didn't so very very highly recommended so uh cb strike ted lasso yellow jackets berry succession um the Murdoch stuff. And obviously Joe and I talked about the last of us. So, so good. So um, that's just kind of what we're looking forward to. Uh, this is going to be our last show until next week. Uh, so everyone out there have a happy Easter. Uh, enjoy the masters, enjoy the guardians, enjoy all kinds of baseball. This is a great time of year. Uh, so everyone out there have a great day and we will talk to you uh, next week. Thank you for listening to this show on Youngstown studio. If you like our programming, we invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow our Facebook page, or subscribe to your favorite podcast platform like iTunes or Spotify. This is original Youngstown content, and we would